the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Seth Liebson, in today on the Town Hall Review, brought to you in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. With Israel at war, with the horrors of the October 7th massacre still raw, the U.N. Secretary General places blame on Israel. The attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. Israel's representative was steamed. The Secretary General must resign. Michael Oren looks at what's behind it all. It's an old anti-Semitic trope that the Jews have it coming to us. We'll look squarely at what we're seeing today. And see it clearly for what it is. Well, well, basically what you're seeing is this is Hitler youth on display. We'll hear from a Harvard grad student, a religious Jew, who has had enough. You just cannot stay silent anymore. All this and more. I'm Seth Leibson, coming to you from Phoenix and AM 960 The Patriot, where I host a program in the afternoon, Monday through Friday. Learn more and listen to my program at 960thepatriot.com. And take a moment to follow me on Twitter, at Seth Liebson. Seth, L-E-I-B-S-O-H-N. And follow this program as well, at Town Hall Review. Israel continued its aerial bombardment of the Gaza Strip this week, hitting key Hamas targets as we watched, somewhat impatiently, for a ground invasion. Those of us who have watched Israel's fights over the last few decades have grown accustomed to a very predictable pattern of things with Israel. They get attacked. And then, like any nation would do that wants to survive, they fight to defend their people and to defeat those who have attacked them. And then they get blamed. Here was U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres earlier this week. I have condemned unequivocally the horrifying and unprecedented 7 October acts of terror by Hamas in Israel. Nothing can justify the deliberate killing, injuring and kidnapping of civilians or the launching of rockets against civilian targets. All hostages must be treated humanely and released immediately and without conditions. It is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. But given the barbarism we witnessed, there were hopes. Hopes we'd see something different this time. Gilad Erdan, Israel's representative at the UN, responded. You are tolerating terrorism. And by tolerating terrorism, you are justifying terrorism. And the SG is blaming the victim? You are blaming Israel? This is a pure blood libel. This is a pure blood libel. And I think that the secretary general must resign. With public pressure and public scrutiny now on Israel, Hugh Hewitt turned to Michael Oren, Israel's former ambassador to the United States. I want to begin with a uh, Ben Rhodes quote. You may have seen it. Ben Rhodes writing yesterday, Israel has legitimate security concerns and has a right to go after the military wing of Hamas, a faction that has proven to be the worst version of itself. What do you think of that, Dr. Oren? It was the, the worst version. You know, what can I say? The Nazis were the worst version of themselves. Uh, I don't know what to make of that. It's like nonsense. 
um, and as if there's a military, there's, there's, there's a military wing and a civil, civilian wing of, uh, of Hamas. Was there a civilian wing of the Nazi party and a military wing of the Nazi party? Let me get this straight. Let's not even go there. Can I tell you about my morning? Yes, please. Tell me what a morning is like here, okay? It's 1.30 in the afternoon here. This morning I've had three calls uh, from families, either of people who have been captured or have been killed. The superintendent in my building called me to say that his best friend's son was taken out of a car by Hamas. They captured him, and then they took him out and executed him, and they have photographs of it because these guys took photographs of everything. Then a woman called me who you may have seen the pictures of this young woman who was repeatedly raped and dragged through the streets of Gaza and spit on and beaten. Okay. Yes. All bloody naked. Yeah. That, that, that won't, that young woman is the daughter of my daughter-in-law's doctor. And I spoke to the doctor. Oh my gosh. I spoke to the family members of a, a young woman, 18 year old woman uh, who was shot here to death. Her father was uh, captured the terrorists filmed it all and put it up on the family Facebook so they could all see it. Okay. Um, I just spoke to a former student of mine, uh, a Yale student who's now writing for the press here. And she was invited to see the 45 minute video that the government is showing to select journalists footage taken from the uh, head cams of the terrorists. And I don't know if she'll ever be the same. Yeah, Michael, I I, I don't I think we're in a 1936 to sort of 1938 unreality in the United States. They don't want to deal with it. I don't know if you ever read Eric Larson's book in the Garden of the Beast, but the Americans would go over to Berlin and they would clink glasses with Goering and Goebbels and they never saw what was right in front of them. And there's a lot of Americans who do not see what's going on in this country, much less in Israel with the rise of anti-Semitic marches and acts and violence. I, I don't even know how you... It's deeper than that. The, the, the acts and the violence are a deeper thing. It, it's, like the, it's like this tip of the iceberg, because why? What's deep here? The deep is when, when that hospital got bombed, okay, a triple lie went out. One, that Israel did it. Two, that it was a hospital. It wasn't. Uh, it was a parking lot. And three, that 500 uh, Palestinians were killed, and it's not true. Okay? Maybe We're saying maybe 100 most okay not that that not that's you know it's no great relief that 100 rather than 500 but the lie and it was a triple lie and everybody but everybody bought into it immediately and what was the source hamas hamas and israel adduced all this evidence hardcore evidence the pentagon adduced all this evidence and israel was still guilty I mean, what is that if not medieval anti-Semitism? What is that? If it, not well, it is medieval anti-Semitism, is and it's also an unwillingness, an unwillingness to look at exactly what is in front of you. So what is driving this? I really, what do you think is driving this narrative in the United States that Israel has to restrain itself and Israel has to abide by the laws of war, which it has always and everywhere respected? Well, I, you could probably go deeper. Listen, Hamas has created a real problem for the progressive left. Okay, because, you know, you're not supposed to have heroes that that behead babies and rape women and burn people alive. It's hard to make these people into heroes. Uh, So it's a real challenge. And they were the people were really eager when the, you know, the reports came out about the Israeli bomb, the hospital saying to themselves, well, hey, we can get out from under this moral problem of having been championed by these beasts, by these by these monsters. And so, you know, they're always going to find a way to say, well, Israel basically had it coming to to it. Okay. But behind that, deeply behind that, is anti-Semitism. Why? 
because it's an old anti-Semitic trope that the Jews have it coming to us. It's original sin. Um, you know, in, in, in the medieval ages, if you an innocent Jew was an oxymoron. All Jews were a priori uh, guilty. And it's true here, too. And even those people along the Gaza border, most of whom belonged to kibbutzim, who were very left-wing and very committed to peace, uh, they're guilty, too. Um, and so if the Jews are guilty, then Hamas is not that guilty now, is it? Uh, Hamas had some kind of justification. It's very deep and very disturbing and extremely dark. And, and Dr. Arndt, let's close with this. There are at least a dozen countries with their citizens being held captive by Hamas. They're being held captive because they're Jewish. The, and I do yes. not see the outrage in the world about this or the clarity. Is there anyone in the West who's standing tall and saying out loud, it's Iran and it's about destroying Israel? Because that's what it is. Well, I think that the, the British have been good. The Italians have been good. The Maloney government has been good. The president made some extraordinary statements. They've moved major military assets into this region, huge military assets in this region. The question is, they've pulled out, again, I want to use this image of pulling out a big gun. They've pulled out a big gun. If you don't pull the trigger, if you're not willing to pull the trigger, if people don't believe you're willing to pull the trigger, then it actually has a worse effect of having not pulled out the gun at all. While Israel labored the exact timing of their ground invasion, this criticism of Israel, loud on the campuses, loud in major cities in Europe, but even loud in high schools and middle schools right here in our country. I turned to a regular on my program, Brandon Weikert, author of The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. Kind of a difficult conversation, Brandon. Uh, I want to talk about the youth. I want to talk about the professoriate that thinks it's okay to yell from the river to the sea. Yeah, so, and this was nothing new. I mean, I, I... My college had Norman Finkelstein as a professor, yeah. so that should tell you how far DePaul, my, my undergrad, uh, my alma mater was. Um, so uh, basically, the college campuses, with the exception of very few, um, have become completely annexed and co-opted by uh, the radical left. And this is now generation three or four of that movement to completely radicalize our youth and to turn our children against us. And we're now seeing this. If you send your children to college, particularly if you send them to liberal arts backgrounds, um, they're going to come out, 99.9% chance they're going to come out as flaming leftists who basically are demon-possessed, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, They will be weaponized and propagandized all four years. Um, And, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing good. I mean, we really need... The best thing to happen would be to forgive all student loans, and then that would crash the market for <laughs> higher education, which is why I support complete student loan forgiveness, because it would completely destroy the market for colleges. And then we can hit the reset button and start from the ground up again, because that's the only way this thing is going to change. Because right now, the market is structured in such a way where these psychotics are being rewarded and we're sending our kids basically to the slaughterhouse, you know, every year. Um, I agree with you on the psychosis at our colleges. Uh, I think a lot of people were shocked to see, particularly in uh, Northern California, elementary school students marching down the hallways of their high schools yelling from the river to the sea. I think the rock goes much deeper than we think. They may not know what they're talking about. Let me put a fine point on it. From the river to the sea means zero Israel. It's not even right. the 1947 partition plan. Right. 
Well, well, basically, what you're what you're seeing is this is Hitler Youth on display. Okay. I mean, this is the sort of thing that the Hitler Jugend used to used to chant. Obviously, not about Israel because Israel wasn't really around back then, but about removing the Jewish element from the Reich. I mean, th- this is no different. And uh, you know, there's always been a deep-seated anti-Semitism embedded within not just Islamism, um, which itself is a derivation of you know Marxist-Leninism. Uh, but it's it's been deeply rooted inside and within uh, any kind of Marxist thought. They do not like Jews. Uh, the Soviet Union brutalized its Jewish population as badly as the Nazis did. Maybe it wasn't as well organized as the Nazi extermination was, but Jews in, in the Soviet Union were not treated all that great. Um, you know, the land of the pogrom. And so, you know, I, what you're seeing on display in campuses is the continuation of ideology that we imported at the turn of the 20th century, and it has been allowed to fester and rot the minds of three or four generations now of American youth, and it's not going to get any better anytime soon. Coming up, a religious Jew who is a Harvard grad student. You just cannot stay silent anymore. You just can't. It's, it's just, it is irresponsible not to, not to state, firstly, what's going on in the world, and secondly, what's going on on the university campuses. It's just appalling in the next segment of town hall review stay with us as the pepperdine graduate school of public policy celebrates our 25th anniversary year please watch our new promotional video based on ronald reagan's 1976 radio address shaping the world for a hundred years to come on our pepperdine spp youtube channel And if you know someone who's thinking about graduate school this fall, we welcome applications at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. That's publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. I'm Seth Liebson, in this week for Hugh. The October 7th massacre from Hamas was a bone-chilling wake-up call for the watching world. Or at least, it ought to have been a wake-up call. I'll give you just one example. I'll read a couple of the lines from a Hamas terrorist calling his father amidst the attack. Hello? Hello? Hi, Dad. I'm talking to you from Mefalsim. Open my WhatsApp and see all those killed. Look how many I killed with my own hands. Your son killed Jews. The father responds, Allahu Akbar. Then the son Dad, I'm talking to you from a Jewish woman's home. I killed ten with my own hands. And it goes on. I could give example after example. The point is this. Motivating the Hamas terrorists was not a border dispute, not a disagreement over how many Gazans were allowed into Israel under work permits, 
This is pure, raw, visceral Jew hatred. This is anti-Semitism, murderous anti-Semitism. J.J. Kimhe is a doctoral student in Jewish history at Harvard. He was a guest of Dennis Prager. I'd like to tell you two interesting things about this piece. Let me read to you the last paragraph and tell you I always look at comments. And in this case, in the Wall Street Journal on the Internet, there are 2,672 comments. That is an astonishingly high number. He obviously hit a nerve with his piece. As a grandson of an Auschwitz survivor and a student of German-Jewish history, I was always incredulous that highly cultured Germans, the people of Goethe and Beethoven, could have displayed sympathy and even enthusiasm for the Nazi slaughter of the Jews. Now I believe it. I have seen it happen here. That's right. He has sympathy and enthusiasm for the slaughter of Jews. Every pro-Palestinian demonstration is about that. You can live in denial, because that's a comfortable place and people seek comfort. So actually, my question to you was not primarily about the administration. It was about fellow students in your case, or faculty. Did you get any feedback? In terms of fellow students, I received dozens upon dozens of emails from from Jewish students saying, thank you for saying the things that I can't say, that I would face serious repercussions if I said in public. Thank you for saying what needs to be said. In terms of faculty, there has been two faculty members who have reached out with praise, with glowing remarks, and that's it. I haven't had any other... um, Are you free to mention their names? I'd rather not, uh, because I I imagine they would rather me not. All right. Well, that gives one an idea of the state of our universities and the state of Harvard, specifically in this instance. I don't think Harvard is worse than Yale. I think it's impossible to, to descend to the depths of Yale, but... Harvard is I agree. is trying. But uh, that in and of itself is fascinating that you're right. I'm not, this is not a critique of you. It's a critique of, of the world in which we live. The fact that this exists, let me, a quick anecdote for you. For most of the Trump era, I, I'm recognized frequently at airports. That's That's where I circulate among the public the most. People would come over to me and look around before they would talk to me and then say, I just want you to know I agree with you. And I thought, do you know the last time people looked around before they talked to me was when I would visit the Soviet Union. I speak Russian, so people uh, knew I was American, and they would look around, is anybody watching me talk to you? This is America in the middle of the 21st century, and you have it at Harvard. So the Jewish students who reached out to you They said the same thing. There will be repercussions if they say what you say. But if there were no repercussions to you, why do they fear repercussions? So I will say a couple things. Firstly, it's different for undergraduate students because they depend very much on their peers for their social life, for their classes. They live in dormitories with these peers. They live, as as most universities, just down the hall from all these sorts of, uh, of fellow students. And therefore, the approval of their fellow students is important for their whole college experience and for the, I, I would say for their basic safety. For me, firstly, I'm a doctoral student. Secondly, I'm already married and I don't depend on the campus for my social life. I don't depend on the, I don't depend on, really depend on the approval for my colleagues to write my dissertation. I just need to write my dissertation. And, and also, I, I tell you something, before these atrocities that occurred two weeks ago, 
I was not by nature a very combative or outspoken sort of person. I didn't dive into these political issues. That's not really what I've been about. I've been at Harvard, I've been a student, I've been trying to make my way academically and, and you know, almost all my activity has been academic. These past couple of weeks, I think this is a moment of such gravity and such importance that it, you just cannot stay silent anymore. It's just, it is irresponsible not to state, firstly, what's going on in the world, and secondly, what's going on on the university campuses. It's just appalling. And if we don't fight this, this will become the standard. And that's the end of vibrant Jewish life on university campuses in this country. We cannot permit this to happen. Many people have said to me, when I've asked them about their evolution politically and socially, they have said, I'm a 9-11 conservative. And it's a fascinating term. 9-11 changed them. So here we have October 7th, in effect, changed you. Not that you were conservative before, I assume not, but that's beside the point. You were not an activist. You were not, yes, yeah, you right. were not, you would not have written, I, I now understand what happened in Germany looking at Harvard. I mean, it's an astonishing statement for you to make. It is absolutely astonishing statement. I'll tell you the following. Us religious Jews, so we who kept two days of the festival outside Israel, so we all turned our phone on Sunday night on the 8th of October, after the end of Simchat Torah, after the end of the festival, and we all saw then what we'd only heard rumors about, the terrible, terrible images and the atrocities and the sheer numbers and the scale of it. I mean, we couldn't believe it. It was something absolutely beyond belief. I, along with everyone else, see the full extent of the horror, the butchery, the savagery, the sheer animalism, of, of, of these murderers, uh, of the trustees. And of course, you know, our hearts break and, and we are absolutely shocked. We've never seen anything like this in our lives. But for me and for my fellow students, there was an extra level of sadness and outrage that night, which was when we turned on our Twitter feed and we turned on our news feeds and we see that our fellow students haven't condemned this. On the contrary, they have justified it. They have celebrated it. They have... Uh, framed it as a necessary step of decolonization. They have identified themselves with it, and the university administrations have stayed silent. That was the moment that myself, and I think many other Jewish students, something snapped in our mind. Something, I would say, even go as far as to say radicalized us at that moment, because we realized the true extent of what we were facing and the true nature of our enemy on our own campuses. Why is there no, or maybe there was and I didn't know of it, pro-Israel demonstration at Harvard? There have been some pro-Israel demonstrations or showing. There was a vigil that on, on Monday night. There had been one or two pro-Israel elements. There are a few problems. Number one is that those generally who are not of the far left are much worse at organizing and at being loud and noisy. There is something about those on, on the left wing of the political spectrum who are very good at organizing, at showing up, at yelling loudly, at making a noise, um, at getting their friends to come along. This is something they do all the time. Those who are not, or those who are pro-Israel, those who are pro-the West, pro-America, generally not nearly as good as, at that. That's one issue. Another issue is numbers on the campus, and I think actually safety as well on the campus, in the sense that I think there are many rank-and-file students at Harvard who are in fact somewhat pro-Israel or, or at least somewhat sympathetic to Israel, but wouldn't show their face at a pro-Israel demonstration, again, for fear of being classed as pro-Israel, which in some departments and in some academic discourse is akin to identifying yourself with the oppressor. Coming up. Those three falsehoods bring otherwise intelligent people to the horrific conclusion that Hamas going house to house, slaughtering 
and raping and incinerating people is justified and something worth celebrating. We continue with J.J. Kimhee when the Town Hall Review returns in a moment. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. I start every day by reading through the stories at Daybreak Insider. In just 10 minutes, I can zip through 10 stories that help me start my day and help shape where I go with The Mike Gallagher Show. Over a quarter million people get Daybreak Insider by email daily, and it's available to you at no cost. Go to daybreakinsider.com and simply plug in your email. That's daybreakinsider.com. In five minutes, you will be the most informed person in the office. That's daybreakinsider.com. Welcome back to Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, brought to you in partnership with our sponsor, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. J.J. Kimhee, the doctoral student at Harvard, pointed out a disturbing thing I've been watching closely myself. He pointed out how his fellow students, quoting him, quote, haven't condemned this. On the contrary, they have celebrated it. Then he said, something snapped in our minds. I do hope something is snapping in your mind as well. Let's return for more of the conversation of J.J. Kimhee with Dennis Prager. I want to add a little bit to what you said before. You said there was one difference between the Nazis and Hamas, which is that the Nazis tried to hide what they did and Hamas didn't. And that's 100% true. I'd like to add, there's a second difference between the two, which is that Hamas are fueled by essentially by their religious convictions. They have no problem killing themselves and their families in order to kill Jews. The Nazi soldiers weren't keen to do this. They weren't keen to die in order to kill Jews. Hamas are not only happy to do so, they are ready, willing, and eager to drag down themselves and everything in their environment in or, just in order to uh, sow more death and destruction among the Jews. They are more dangerous and worse than the Nazis, and any reasonable reader of history will confirm this. Do you think Harvard has suffered anything transcending a few months in its reputation? I think that certainly on campuses, in the eyes of some, they have been discredited, but in the eyes of many, they simply have confirmed themselves as battling the global, quote-unquote, colonizers, the West, the evil white people. That's who they pitch themselves as battling against. And they see this as, yeah, oh, this is simply part of the battle. And it is astonishing. The education at elite universities has reached this terrible level. And I think that, yes, in many circles, hopefully, Harvard and, and many other elite schools have suffered you know, a plummeting of their reputation. But actually, in many other circles, they will simply be seen as, oh, yeah, this is the, the tip of the spear in confronting global injustice or some such nonsense. A serious number of Americans already had contempt for the university, and this has only increased that number. It is a lamentable fact still that this country and many other countries still worship a, a kind of credentialism and that there are some universities that have a seemingly unassailable reputation when it comes to, to their credentials. And the truth is that, look, having been at Harvard for four years and having been to many I other Ivy League universities, there are elements of really excellent scholarship there. And there are elements of, you know, pursuit of truth and pursuit of uh, you know, real worthwhile ends in and of themselves. And, and would the university stick to that, they would maintain their deserved reputation among the people. However, there have been a few terrible blights and terrible falsehoods that have been allowed to undermine all their education and to 
to seep the poison through much of the universities. And I've seen this myself in the classroom. And it, it seems to me that, there, that, that what has led to this very specific situation, the condemnation of Israel, is what I like to call three central falsehoods, three major falsehoods that, that pervades many of the departments, sadly, in universities today. What are the falsehoods being propagated that allow them to truly believe that Israel deserved what it got and the Hamas are justified in slaughtering civilians, going house to house, machine gunning entire families. What has brought them to this point? And I've thought you know, quite a bit about it. And, and basically, I think it's down to three very specific falsehoods that are part of the contemporary campus narrative. The first is that the unique evil of the West, this is something that is being taught um, in classrooms, I think, across the country, where all examples of human evil are brought to show how Western countries specifically are the worst offenders, right? So anything from racism to slavery to colonialism, you name this the human sin, and it is specifically the white Western countries of Europe and North America, which are the greatest sinners. Of course, and again, this is naturally false. While the West has the evil things that the countries in the West have done, they are by no means unique and certainly not the worst offenders in any of these areas. That's the falsehood number one. Falsehood number two, is the idea that you can always split a conflict into oppressed and oppressors, colonized and colonizers, good people versus bad people, and that anything that the, that the oppressors, so to speak, do is terrible and evil and unjustified and a human rights abuse, and anything that the oppressed do is virtuous and justified and necessary for the end of decolonization. And falsehood number three, which is the most obvious falsehood of all, is this notion that the state of Israel is some sort of Western imposition in the Middle East, that the Jews don't belong there, that this is something, this is a part of the Western colonial story, is implanting Jews into the Middle East. Anyone with a five minute acquaintance with a history textbook should know this is false. Jews have had a 3,000 year robust civilization in the land of Israel, and all Jews who have lived outside the land of Israel are very aware that they are Judeans, they are from. They are Jews from Judea, they are Jews. Uh, and that is reflected in their language and in their culture and in their religion and in, in every part of their consciousness. Those three falsehoods bring otherwise intelligent people to the horrific conclusion that Hamas going house to house, slaughtering and raping and incinerating people is justified and something worth celebrating. Coming up, playwright David Mamet. What would President Trump have done had this happened under his watch? It wouldn't have happened under his watch. I, I believe that. When the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. Stay with us. As the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy celebrates our 25th anniversary year, please watch our new promotional video based on Ronald Reagan's 1976 radio address, Shaping the World for 100 Years to Come, on our Pepperdine SPP YouTube channel. And if you know someone who's thinking about graduate school this fall, we welcome applications at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. That's publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. I'm Seth Liebson. The events that we've been talking about, the October 7th massacre, are difficult to discuss. The evil is so barbarous, so unthinkable, that instinctively you want to turn away. But the fact that the overwhelming majority of protest on university campuses has come in support of Hamas sends a chill down the spine. At least it does to this Jew. All of this, yes, all of this on the campus, comes from the left. 
To that point that David Mamet, the award-winning playwright and author, penned a piece this week entitled, How the Democrats Betrayed the Jews. The subtitle is better. The sick thrill of anti-Semitism has a price. Mamet was a guest of Dennis Prager's. You describe, as I have of my own life, as I've said on my birth certificate, it said Democrat. And that is not changeable. Sex is changeable. Yeah, of course. But Democratic Party status isn't. That's right. The good news today, and I don't know if you saw this because it just came out, is that Hamas said as a gesture of conciliation, they're considering sewing the heads back on some of the babies. Oof, that's dark. By the way, there is more that's... They have actually called in journalists to see pictures of some of the atrocities that were committed. I have not spoken once about the decapitation because I want to see... Uh, I believe it, as I said. I would like to see proven evidence. But what was verified was gang rape of Jewish women, uh, the young women who were at the music festival. And they were so horrible, their pelvises were ruptured yeah. uh, in the gang rapes that were committed. And then they would be stabbed to death. Yeah, well, the, the truth must lie somewhere in between. That's what I said the, about 9-11. Maybe the, if yeah. they said, I just want to knock down one of the buildings. Right. Well, you're so right. This notion that, yes, there are two sides. Yeah, sure. So I've talked to you in the past on the air and off the air, and you underwent a metamorphosis because you started out, as most Jews do, Democrat and liberal. What happened? What happened is I, I sat down at the kitchen table and I started saying, wait a second, I'm not living my life exactly according to the things that I profess. And then I looked around at all my liberal friends because they were the only friends that I had. And I noticed that neither were they. So then as I kind of rediscovered my Judaism of 30, 40 years ago and started reading the Torah, I started seeing that everything that's happening in the world has always been happening, and that everything I was going through as a Jew was what always happened to the Jews, which we always wanted to go back into Egypt. And that it occurred to me that Moses didn't have any trouble with anybody. Only people he had trouble with were the Jews, because the Jews always wanted to go back to slavery, because that's the human condition. I went to dinner with some people in the neighborhood, and they were talking about the terrible, um, the West Side super liberal, super woke uh, private schools. They're just wretched. You're paying the schools for the right to uh, turn your children against you. This guy said, he said, well, he said, they were at the school and he talked about how terrible it was and how bad it was for Jews and how bad it was for sexual indoctrination. And he, he, the kid is about to graduate in June. I said, why don't you take him out? He said, well, I would accept he's going to college and I want to make sure that he gets into the college. So I said, where's he going? Well, he's going to Columbia. What's he going to study? Philosophy. I said, well, why don't you give him a lesson in philosophy? That philosophy is the study of the difference between good and evil and the search for truth. And if you want to teach this kid philosophy, take him out of school and go back to Columbia and see if they'll take him or not and if they won't, to hell with him. Because then you're protecting your child rather than saying, I'm going to give him over to the educational establishment they're going to rape his mind. How he responded is the way somebody always responds when I, when I talk to them that day. They say, yes, but. Uh-huh. Yes, but. And what was the end of the sentence? Yes, but what? Yes, but. Well, we can't do that because he won't get in. So I was talking to Fox today, and I said, well, the idea that you need to send these kids to school to meet people and to get involved in that society is like saying, I, 
I want to send my daughter into a brothel because she's going to meet a lot of influential men, right? This is the lost generation that we're looking at, Dennis, and you guys know it. If you send these kids to school and they're going to get radicalized, why? Because either they can't resist the peer pressure, but more importantly is because they've been abandoned by their parents and they know it. So sending a kid to these liberal schools that that promote Jew hatred is like letting Uncle Harry babysit them for the weekend when you kind of know that he's sexually abusing them. But what the hell, where are you going to find a babysitter? You had mentioned about the Democratic Party and being anti-Israel. The response will be, look at how Joe Biden has made such a powerful speech about Israel's right to defend itself. How would you respond? That's called a speech, right? What politician has ever told the truth about anything, maybe one or two in our lifetimes, you know, by accident. But politicians speak to influence the mass, to vote for them and support them. He spent several days after this incredible atrocity in Gaza figuring out how to walk the line between this and that. Part of that speech, as he finally spoke, he said one of the most dreadful things I've ever heard. He said to Iran, be careful. That's what he said. So my question is, be careful what? Not to fund the slaughter of Jews again like you just did? Be careful what? Don't cross this line. You know, Barack Obama had his famous red line, you know, which existed only on a map. So if we say, we say to these thugs, you better be careful because if you do that again, I'm going to call my big brother. What would President Trump have done? Had this happened under his watch, it wouldn't have happened under his watch. Uh, I believe that. Okay. Wouldn't have happened under his watch because he'd actually brought peace to the Middle East. And you may remember Jimmy Carter, remember him? They had the hostages in Iran for 444 days. He didn't know what to do. He mafficked about. Ronald Reagan came in and they came back the next day. Because the because all that people understand in groups is power. It doesn't make any sense to send all of these carrier groups there if you're not going to use them. And it doesn't make any sense to say to Iran, you better not do this again while you're funding them. It's insane. Here is the Washington Post uh, today. Obama urges Israel to minimize civilian casualties in war with Hamas. First of all, since when do former presidents speak out on these matters? There's been a um, continual minhag, a custom among American presidents that when they get out of office, they do not politicize. Mm -hmm. They do not. uh, Obama got out of office and he mentioned that, but he said, I'm not speaking out now as an American president, ex-American president, but I'm speaking out as a citizen. Mm So, I mean, in a, you know, he's, what, a, what a hypocrite. Right, who happens to have been a president. Exactly so. But on the other hand, he doesn't like the Jews, he doesn't like the Americans, and he likes uh, uh, the Arabs. He's been very clear about that. Why are they castigating Israel? Because, as Abba Ibn said, it's the only country the world expects to act like Christians. Coming up. They did things that are worse than the Nazis. In the final segment of Town Hall Review, stay with us. Charlie Kirk here. It is critical we keep AM radio in all cars and all trucks. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for news, weather, and opinions. AM is also the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping you advised of threatening weather conditions and amber alerts. Text AM to number 52886. Tell Congress that we need AM radio in our cars. Again, text AM to the number 52886. Standard message and data rates may apply. 
Welcome back to the Town Hall Review. David Mamet, in our last segment, was arguing that Jews need to get out of the Democratic Party. The question is, in light of recent events and what we've been seeing from the progressive left, are there others left of center who are asking themselves, what is this? What am I a part of? Bacha Ungar Sorgan is opinion editor at Newsweek. She was a guest of Dan Proft and Amy Sullivan on AM560, The Answer, in Chicago. Do you see any um, uh, any reckoning with the left in this country here, uh, the anti-Semitic left? Do you see any sort of um, renew or new understanding in any quarter, the press or any other quarter, that um, the these people, the Rashida Talibs and the Ilhan Omars and the professors uh, across the country, you know who I'm describing from Yale to Cornell to the Art Institute School here in Chicago, that um, these are people whose ideas belong in the ash heap of history. And I didn't really realize it until now, but now I realize it. Do you, do you get any sense that there is any movement in that direction? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think a lot of people, this has been a real mask off moment for the far left for how deeply, not just anti-Semitic, but just inhuman. Yeah. I mean, just, just justifying the most horrific, you couldn't even imagine, you couldn't, they, they did things that are worse than the Nazis. I have a very close friend who's a Holocaust survivor and we've been sort of experiencing this together, reading the press together, going through it. She'll read stories in the press and say to me, this happened to me, that happened to me, that happened to me, telling me stories she hasn't told for 78 years. And finally, some of the reports that came out this week, she said that the Nazis never went that far. They never, they, they didn't see us as human. And so there was, they weren't invested in, you know, hours long torture sessions, right? Torturing children in front of their parents, worse than the Nazis. And just people on the left, the far left, justify not just ha- can't find it in their hearts to condemn it but you can see it in the way they talk about the ceasefire ceasefire now means this was okay with me what hamas did that's what ceasefire now means thanks for joining us for the town hall review i hope you don't mind if in closing i'll take just a minute for a bit of a guest host privilege this month israel was attacked in words too terrible for any dictionary jews have always been few among the nations and Israel has always had few friends. But there have always been a righteous people who stood by and for Israel and her people, and never has this been more true to Israel than with evangelical Christians in America. The moral clarity, the verbal sympathy, the shared grief, and the solidarity with the Jewish state from Christians means everything, and is everything. Israel could not do this without you, and it needs saying. So speaking as just one Jewish American to the Christians of America, thank you. Thank you for everything, truly. Thanks for joining us for the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. If you've benefited from what we're doing, mention us to a friend. Go to townhallreview.com to sign up for our podcast. Special thanks to executive producer Russell Shubin and producers Alex Paris, David Pouchon, and David Dahl. Let me say thanks once again to our sponsor, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. I'm Seth Liebson, thanking you for joining us for Town Hall Review. Star 
retired general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.